Um, we are going to be doing, and I got I, I to warn Christine over here, uh, it's Ahithophel, however you want to spell that, have fun with that. Um, it's, it's a message called Bitterness, and again, the story of Ahithophel. We're going to get into that in, in, in a little bit. Um, this message, I want to let you know, I always want to be just truthful with you. I did not go and study the book of 2 Samuel and find out what I'm about to share with you. And boy, your pastor just did all this stuff. Nope, I, that did not happen. Uh, a guy named Vijay Thagaya, Thangaya is the person who found this. I found this in a, uh, in actually in a, um, uh, one, of my, one of my readings in the morning and it just blew me away. And I just want you to know that as he just laid this out, it just, it just opened my heart. I thought, you know what? I'm stealing all of it and I'm sharing it. So this is a stolen message. Are you with me? Stolen. So don't give me anything. This, isn't, this is God through him, me stealing, giving it to you. Does that make sense? All right, there we go. Yes. Oh, if your kids get out of here, get. Bye. They do not want to hear about IFL. They do not want to hear. They were like, please let us go. We don't want to talk about bitterness. They're not even bitter. All right. So, um, by the way, um, our ladies retreat last year had this subject of bitterness. Uh, and it was very impactful. And one of our small groups that we'll be starting up, led by Heather Leva, is going to be on bitterness using the book from what our ladies uh, did this last year. Um, this is probably going to come at it from a different direction. Uh, and I'll tell you who this guy, Athiophel, is. So let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. Now in those days, the cancel... The counsel that Athiophel gave was as, as if one consulted the word of God. That's, that's pretty high praise. That is amazing praise. The counsel of this guy was if you consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Athiophel esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. If this guy said it, you listen to it because it was coming from God, okay? So that sets the standard. He is in counsel to David, and he is in counsel to Absalom, David's son. Psalm 55 says this, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. Many uh, of the theologians believe this is David speaking of Athiophel. Many, and I'll, I'll even break that up a little farther in that it says, but it, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. Now look what happens in 2 Samuel 17, 1 through 3. Moreover, Athiophel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. And I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic. And all the people who are with him will flee I will strike down only the king. And I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man and all the people will be at peace. So you have a guy that David says is my friend. And yet he says, let me go. And I personally will take him out. 
Now, when you read this through Scripture, you don't, go, you don't understand. You're like, it, it never says specifically, this is why Ithiophel got so bitter. It doesn't say. But again, VJ did the work for me that I stole. I'm about to give to you. Psalm 41.9 is believed to say, this is David speaking about Ithiophel. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, whom I, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Even my close friend has lifted his heel against me. One of the things that's true about us is that if it's somebody out there, you guys all know what I mean by out there. You know, it's someone I'm not connected to who does something to you or something. That's almost easier, right? You don't know them. But man, when it's a close friend, God, it hurts. It hurts. David would have never thought that Thyphel would be someone who would raise his heel against him. So how do we get here? Psalm 51, verse 12 to 14. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolent with me. Then I could hide from him. If it was somebody out there. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. And so this, this Athiopel is, is one that, that, again, there's this bitterness to that. He gets to the point, I'll take his life. So how do we get there? What could have happened? What could have taken place that took Athiopel from a place where he was one who ate with David, sat with David, and now he wants to take his life? Again, someone smarter than me did the work. 2 Samuel 11, 3-4. And David sent and inquired about a woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent a messenger and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. While she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness, and then she returned to her house. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? One of the things beautiful about Scripture is that um, it always, I've been in Scripture for many, many years, and you always find these places where you don't see all the connecting tissues. And, and it's one of the ways in which I believe that God says, my word is living and active. is because we don't see all the connecting tissues, and then we start to see them. We start to see what God is doing. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we do see that she is the daughter of Eliam. So why is that significant? Well, in 2 Samuel 23, there is a list made of the mighty men of David. These men that God had pulled out to be his closest companions. Eliphat, Eliphelt, I'm sorry, the son of Abishai of Makkah. Eliam, the son of Athiophel, the Gilanite. Some of you are starting to do the math. Athiophel has a son who is Eliam. That means his granddaughter is Bathsheba. So when David 
went out on that roof that night and saw Bathsheba, took her in and laid with her and got her pregnant, and in that process tried to cover it up, and in that process killed her husband, what we find out is Athiophel was hurt and broken. Athiophel was devastated by what his friend did to his granddaughter. And ultimately what he did to his granddaughter's family. Athiophel was bitter. And so Athiophel sits in this bitterness that this king that he loves, this king that he's been a counsel to, has done this horrific thing. And he's bitter. What we know from Scripture is by putting a couple things together is Athiophel, as soon as this happens, goes home. He's not going to be the counsel to David anymore. You did this to my granddaughter, I'm out. And he goes home. The problem with going home is that he went home and sat in his bitterness. He went home and for years, I'll show you in a minute, for years sat in his bitterness and it ate at him. So angry at David, so angry at what took place. Thiophel is hurting. But he's sitting at home and he doesn't see something that you and I need to see. Because I think if he would have seen it, or understood it, things could have been different. In 2 Samuel 15, 12, and while Absalom was offering sacrifices, he sent for Athiophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from the city of Gilo. See, we know that he had gone home to the point that Absalom, by the way, how do we know the years? Because it's not until 10 years later that Absalom becomes the one that rises up. So for 10 years, as soon as this thing happened with Bathsheba, he goes home, and for 10 years. But Absalom goes, hey, Athiophel, he had the counsel. If I'm going to try to take on, by the way, this is Absalom who's going to try to take on his father. I'm going to go after his counselor. So he calls for him. He sent for him. And the conspiracy grew stronger, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. See, Absalom is David's son, who has risen up to take the crown from David. And he's been kind of building this case and building this place. But here's what's interesting. He knows that if he calls Athiophel, Athiophel will give him good counsel because he's one who speaks from God. So he calls for him. Ten years, Athiophel sat in bitterness. In 2 Samuel 15, 15, 16, 15, we read this. Now Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Athiophel with him. See, here's the thing. Athiophel knows, wait a minute, Absalom's going to go after David? He's going to take his crown? I'm with him. Absalom's going to cause David pain? I'm with him. Is there a way in which my bitterness, my anger, I can somehow be a part of causing pain to David? 
I'm with him. Second Samuel 16, 20 through 22. Then Absalom said to Athiophel, give your counsel, what shall we do? Okay, Athiophel, we're here. By the way, at this point, David has fled. David has fled with his people. They have taken off. They've left Jerusalem. He left these concubines that were good to watch over his household. But he's left. Hey, Athiophel, what should we do? Now, Athiophel ultimately wants King David dead. But by the way, if you can embarrass him, if you can humiliate him, if you can bring him down, that is good as well. Athiophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. And all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father. And the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. Thiophel, embarrass your father. Humiliate him. Put a tent on the roof. By the way, that's where he found Bathsheba, was on the roof. And sleep with, her in front of every, sleep with his concubines in front of everyone. Make yourself a stench. You're greater than your father. See, but that wasn't enough for his bitterness. Just because Absalom had done this wasn't enough. He wanted more. He wanted the end of David. Second Samuel 17, 2, again, after I read you this, I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged, throw him into a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king. So let's talk for a second. Bitterness. Man. These things where we don't forgive people. And we hold on to them. And most of the time it's us that is having the turmoil, not them. And we plan for their demise and we want to see them have horrible things take place. For 10 years, Thiophel sat in this spot. So it ate him. So if Absalom comes along and says, sure, you can be a part of this, he's in. He's in. So why is this important? Well, Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. No root of bitterness See, the thing about a root is that it's under the ground. Mainly, it's unseen, right? You don't see the root. But what happens is the root produces what comes out of it. So it's saying, look, don't let a root of bitterness begin. Don't let that have hold. Don't let it get in the ground where it starts to get firm and get difficult. I've had many times where I've had to help someone try to pull a root out of their yard or out of their property. Can I just tell you how hard that is? I've lost a bumper for this, right? Had an old pickup, thought it was going to be great, put a chain on it, hit the gas, see what happens. Yeah, the root one. That stuff gets in there deep. By the way, if you want to have a great time on YouTube, just go look at uh, 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 trees versus trucks. It's a great time in the afternoon. (laughs) Trees win most of the time. 
Because we don't realize how powerful that root gets in there and holds on and it will not let go. So the message is don't let it even begin. Don't let it get in the ground. You have to root it up at the very beginning when it's the easiest. Romans 12, 18 through 21. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live, in, live peaceably with all. If possible, as it depends on you. Not on everybody else, not on the circumstances, not on what they do, not on what they don't do, not on what you hope they do, not what you hope they will someday do. As it deals with you, be live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, says the Lord. I wish that Thiophel would have heard these words. Thiophel, this isn't your battle. I know what David did to Bathsheba. I have a plan for him. See, if I fell left and didn't get to watch what God put David through, we'll get to that in a minute. But here's the thing. God goes, I have better ways to get to the heart matters than you do. See, the thing is, is that what we can do and hope for is for outer things. Oh, I hope they trip and fall down a stair. Hope they get, you ever said, I hope they get hit, hit by lightning, right? Meteor, you've never said these things. I know it's, whole, it's just your immoral pastor that's always said these things. But what's funny is, is that what we're really trying to do is we would wish there was a change of heart. So when David is talked to by God, God goes after his heart. We'll get to there. Vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. I love that passage. They expect you. Have you ever somebody who wants to fight and you won't fight and they're really angry that you won't fight? Have you ever been that with your spouse? They're ready for a fight and you don't want to fight, so you don't fight, but they're angry because they wanted to fight? You just be kind. It just makes it worse. See, there's something about this idea of us saying, no, 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 look, I'm not going to do what you would expect me to do. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to try. I'm going I'm, I'm to do what's best for you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because that's what Athiophel had. He got overcome. A guy who was a counselor for God, who walked with David, best, kind of a best friend, got overcome by evil. So, in 2 Samuel 12.10, Nathan because Athiophel, I believe, is not there to be his counselor. Nathan, the prophet, comes in, tells David, hey, it's you, you're the one that has done this horrible thing. And then he says these words to him, says, now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Now the sword shall never depart from your house. You know what that is talking about? One of your sons is going to come after you. And who is that? Absalom. Hey, David, you think this, this, this just ends? No. This is going to hurt you. Listen, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine one of my sons wanting so desperately to take me out, how painful that would be. Not, by the way, whether they did it or not, just the thought that one of my sons would be so against me that they would want to take me out. Do you understand the heartbreak that would be for a father? But that's what he says. A sword is not going to depart your house. One of your sons is coming after you. Jump down to verse 14. Nevertheless, because 
by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. David loses this child. Then Nathan went to his house, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him. They're watching him and how he has been. They're afraid to tell him, watch this, that the child was dead. For they said, behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, the child is dead? He may do himself some harm. Folks, David is in such anguish that they have been watching him while the child is still alive. They're going, look, if this is what he does while he's alive, what's going to happen once we tell him he's dead? God is dealing with his heart. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I'm telling you, whatever Thiophel thought he could do, God is doing more. And whatever you think about the person that you have bitterness with, you think, oh no, if this would just happen to them, but that would just happen. Listen, give them to God. Give them blessings. Give them joy. Let the bitterness come out of your heart because I'm telling you, our God knows what is best. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. See, the thing is, Athiophel left. He went home. He never got to see God deal with David. He never got to see David on the ground. He never got to see David broken for what he did to Bathsheba. Listen to me. Athiophel never got to see God fight for him. Because God fought for Athiophel. He went after David with a vengeance. Athiophel, back in his home, is just sitting in his bitterness. Had Athiophel witnessed what was going on, would he have been able to release it? We don't know. But I know this, that there was something at Athiophel that was just this beginning of a little flicker that burned into an absolute flame. And it consumed him. I want you to see what David says in Psalm 51. This is the psalm that David writes after the death of of his child. Look how he speaks to God. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He sees his filth. He wants to be clean. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken. Look at the imagery there. David is saying to God, let the bones, God, that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Please take this from me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, 
God went after David's heart. Not just to make him have physical pain, emotional pain. He went after his heart. David's going, give me a clean heart. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So, what happens after Absalom sleeps with the concubines? Thyphel comes and goes, I have this plan. Let me go in. I'll take 12,000 men. I will come after him. I will kill the king. By the way, it is my belief and a lot of theologians that if, if Absalom would have listened to Athiophel, that David would have been killed by Athiophel. Because remember, he gets counsel from God. But there was another guy in the story that is a friend of David's who comes in and gives other advice to, to Absalom. And at the end of the day, Absalom takes the other one's advice. Does that, does that make sense? So Athiophel says, let me go. I'll go in. I'll take out the king. This is what will happen. And this other guy comes in and goes, no, listen, this is what you should do. And by the way, it was actually meant to um, um, really disrupt all of Absalom's plans. That was this other guy who's a friend of David's. It was literally his plan to do that. So again, Athiophel says, look, let me do it. I can take him out one night. This other guy comes and gives a different plan. At the end of the day, Absalom chooses the other guy's plan. Watch what happens. When Athiophel saw that his counsel was not followed, see, because his only goal is to get to David and to kill him. And with this other plan, he doesn't get that shot. And when Athiophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, went off to his own city, he set his house in order, and hanged himself, and died and was buried in the tomb of his father. You're not taking my counsel? I don't get to go kill the king? You took his stuff? Great. Bye. See you later. Went home, made everything right, hung himself. Athiophel died in his bitterness. It ate him up so much that when he could not carry out his ultimate desire, which was the demise of David, there was no more reason to live. Folks, Bitterness will eat you alive. It will own you. It will affect how you live. It will affect what you do. It will affect how you try things, new things. It will own you. And Athiophel, again, can I get a grandfather so angry at what happened to his granddaughter? Absolutely. What happened to, his, to her husband? Absolutely. But that bitterness ate him alive. And that bitterness owned him to the point he took his own life. There is a, always a foreshadowing. Athiophel, a friend who hangs himself, is a foreshadowing to a friend called Judas, who, by the way, goes and goes against and at the end hangs himself. You see, the thing is, is that when we have brokenness in us and we have hurt in us and we don't let restoration take place, it eats us alive. 
Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. By the way, that takes you doing a really good inventory of whether or not you have bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, or malice. You've got to really look at that. What is it that's keeping me? What is it that doesn't let me talk to that person, speak to them, forgive them, move forward with them? Watch this. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God Christ forgave you. And that's where we end. See, it is my sin to put Jesus on the cross. See, it's my sin that slept with Bathsheba. It's my sin that killed her husband Uriah. See, my sin is no different than David's. Because the moment that I sin, I have fallen short of the glory of God. And guess what God does? He doesn't come and want my demise. He sends his son to give me life. How can I be more like him and forgive than to sit in bitterness and lose out? As I prayed at the beginning, this is a message for me as much for you. This is a process. This is one of those times you have to look at it and just keep giving it up and giving it up and giving it up. And trust me, Satan would love just to remind you of all the people that have hurted you, remind you of how good bitterness feels. And let's not lie to ourselves. There are times that bitterness feels really good. It feels good to be angry against that person. It feels good that they, ah, whatever that feeling is. But all we're doing is hurting ourselves. Folks, my prayer for this message is this, that we see bitterness for what it is and realize that God has it if we would just give it to him. Release those people. Give them forgiveness, as Tim spoke about a few weeks ago, and walk in a place that says, that stuff doesn't own me. And then live the life that God has called you to live. I know this is heavy. No one's like, woohoo, this was so fun. But folks, this is the stuff that actually where we spend our times in the quietness of our own spirits most of the time. And we need to sit in these places. Because I'm going to tell you right now, starting in Philippians, bitterness is going to come up. So, with that, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who hear my voice, that they would let go of bitterness, that they would, Father, begin to forgive. Father, to begin to just hand people over to you. That you would, Father, do far better for each one of us of what we need to be done. And if, Father, if, if you need to deal with me, if you need to deal with any one of us for the things that we've caused pain, Father, let that happen as well. Because, Father, we want to be right with you as well. So, Father, I ask that you would just hear us today. Hear us today as we give up, give up this bitterness, that we would root it out. We would dig down. We would not leave one stem of that root in the ground. And that, Father, at the end, we could say, God, I'm clean. Father, take us from the story of Athiophel to the story of your son who doesn't hold our sin against us, but forgives us 
even though we've done treacherous things to him. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.